everybody, this is Davis with Con Freaks and Geeks, and I would like to welcome you to another episode of Pop Culture Gems. This is a series where we talk to amazing creators, artists, cosplayers, voice actors, and so much more. Uh, if you like the interviews we do with, with our amazing guests, give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our YouTube channel, the CFG channel, or you can either go to our main website, confreaksandgeeks.com, or listen to it on any podcast services out there. Today, boy, do I have a treat for you, to, for you all. My guest uh, has been in the animation industry in, for over 20 years. He has worked at places like Cartoon Network, DreamWorks, Nickelodeon, and Nickelodeon. He, uh, he, uh, <coughs> excuse me. He worked on multiple shows as art director or story artist uh, uh, or st as a story artist like le on Lego Batman, Penguins of Madagascar, Smallfoot, and my personal favorite, The Amazing World of Gumball. He is the director of the upcoming Loud House movie coming uh, to Netflix on August 20th. I would like to welcome you, uh, welcome Dave Needham uh, to the show. How are you doing, sir? Well, thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing great. It's, uh, I'm actually back in the studio. I've been back in the studio a couple of weeks, which is, which is nice. You know, it's uh, feels feels strange at first to be back, but it's 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 good to be back too. How long how long were you away from like away from the studio? It was getting on for a year and a half, I think. Uh, oh my goodness! Yeah, first day back was two weeks ago, and I walked in and I see everyone's offices and names, and you're like, oh, I'm really. I then I realized I'm not going to see anyone. It's just me. <laughs> <laughs> this floor on my own <laughs> oh my goodness yeah that must be I think that must be crazy oh man i have so many questions for you about that about the whole process of it because to say you made like to be a part of a project like i mean like loud house movie directing it let alone in a unconventional way it must have been must have been a trek so <laughs> <laughs> it's been a trip for sure um Luckily, luckily, we were on a good path before lockdown started. We'd had a screening. We kind of knew what our story was going to be. Uh, and, I, you know, the, the crew was all dialed in already. Um, but, yeah, it was a curveball. <laughs> Oh boy. Well, okay. Well, we'll, well, let's get this party started. We'll get we'll start we'll get you started with some of these simple, small, easy questions here. <laughs> uh, well, like I mean, you've been in the animation. Like, like I said earlier, you've been in the animation uh, animation industry for over twenty years now, and the Loud House movie will be your first directorial project. Uh, overall, I mean, how how does that feel for you? You know, it. I love directing. <laughs> I gotta say, it's my it, it's my favorite job I've ever had. I used to deliver wine in the mid nineties for a company in the UK. And that was my favorite job up until now. <laughs> it's now directing this movie has been the most fun I've ever had working uh, on anything. Um, but I'm glad I've taken all those steps in the way. I started off as a, a designer and I worked on projects like Gorillas and Mr. Bean in London. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> I the power just went out. Oh, here we go. Back. <laughs> um, yeah, directing is just the most fun job I've ever had. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky to have had all those different roles on the way because they stand you in good stead. You learn something every different project, every different director you work with. And I'm just trying to take all of that and move it forward and apply it to this project. Oh, that's cool. I didn't I didn't know. Did, like when you said the gorillas, are you talking about like the gorillas, like the band, the gorillas or? Yeah. Oh, that, <laughs> so you did the you did the music you were part of like the music video animation as well. It was actually before the music videos. I, I had a friend who was working for Jamie, uh, coloring gorillas at night, 
before anyone knew what they were. And he got in touch. He said, look, Jamie needs some help drawing. He's got too much drawing to do. Can you, can you ape his style and come and help him? So I ended up in, in Jamie's studio in early 2000, I think it was, with a stack of his sketchbooks on my desk and Damon Albarn popping in every lunchtime to play video games. <laughs> and it was this cool secret project. I was working on the website, sort of designing backgrounds and corridors and rooms. Uh, and Jamie was working, obviously, on all the, getting prepped for all the music videos and stuff like that. But I knew we were sat on this cool secret that, that no one else knew about. Man, that is awesome. That is so great. I love it. Just to, just even thinking about that. That's so awesome. Uh, and uh, I mean, and like coming from your extensive animated background, like how is transitioning from being an art director or story artist uh, to to being the director of the project? Like, were there any kind of surprises that you experienced? Uh, you know, with all the roles I've done, and I, I worked at Cartoon Network in development uh, when we made Gumball and stuff like that. So that way you get a fair rounded picture of everything in the pre-production side of things. And you actually, you know, get to work a little bit on the animation, but nothing on this scale, you know, nothing where it's a big overseas studio, nothing where I'd had to really think too hard about music before, or, you know, casting famous people, voice actors and, and stuff like that. So it was definitely uh, a lot of new stuff but um, I felt nothing was particularly surprising. I think I've been around uh, the whole process long enough to kind of um, know what to expect most of the time. But I also had, you know, great people in those management positions. You know, my editor, Peter Essinger, is super experienced and uh, Claire Morrissey was my head of story and she worked on Trolls and a load of movies at, at, at DreamWorks and she was amazing and Sue Mont is my uh, production designer. So I had the right people there to support me. And, uh, the people from the show, uh, Loud House, were, were fantastic partners as well. Oh, okay. That's cool. So, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, obviously you're the spearhead of the ship, but you have, uh, you have a really good crew with you. That, it's, that it makes things a lot easier for you, you know? Yeah, it's a group <laughs> effort. But, um, yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of work and a lot of, a lot of looking at animation and a lot of having to do it from home under uh, unusual circumstances and having to learn new bits of software to do workarounds and, and things that you'd normally be in the studio for or at a post house for and things like that. Now the process of like W because of the, uh, the obvious reasons of why we had, you had to work from home for so long. Uh, like, I mean, just, I, I can't even fathom the idea of just let alone making a movie, the fully, a fully animated movie through the process of this. Like, I mean, was there any kind of tricks that, that you were like, that you didn't, that you experienced that you had to have like, changed because that you uh that you weren't able to like tell them directly or go to the side to to work yeah, with them you know that's true some things just took a lot longer uh you know there were chains of emails instead of getting everyone into editorial and we just watch something we try things out all together so the process got a little more drawn out but for me it was a lot about trusting those people you know trusting my editor to 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 do a great cut we'd talk about it then he'd send me a quick time, then I'd, I'd give him my notes and we'd adjust it like that. So it, it wasn't how it would normally be where you'd get to sit in a, in a dark room together and, and you know, move things around and try things out. But, you know, I, I think that's the key on this was like learning to trust people to, to be good at doing their jobs. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's a level of trust that I don't know that I could ever, <laughs> that I could ever experience or I have experienced, but that'd be awesome. Uh, that, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, now, uh, 
your uh your philosophy uh, uh in in uh, your specific your personal philosophy was like animation is a collaborative process um it, it, i mean and it's very fitting i mean like from what you've just been discussing about the trust and everything uh it's like very fitting for let alone in the animation industry um like could you just like kind of elaborate more on uh on that like uh like like what you mean or like what that your philosophy is yeah uh, i mean for me it's when you're a story artist especially you you get to work on these sequences and they become you work on them for two weeks and you know them inside out and um that means as a director i want to hear from my story team i want to hear what works and what doesn't where the perils and pitfalls of that sequence are so i love talking to people i love to hear what they think is working and not working that that goes for everyone on the crew and i don't mind hearing something doesn't work or it's broken or it's confusing because it means if one person's confused by it more people will be confused by it and that that just points it out to me like that's something to keep an eye on and to fix so I just like to, I like to make sure that everyone on the crew has a voice and that they can, doesn't matter what their role is, uh, just speak up and say what they think. Um, it's all really useful to me. I, I'm not the kind of director who's just like, I've got it all in my head. I know exactly what every shot's going to look like. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm in the privileged position of being able to listen to everyone, but being able to choose what I want mm. to do and bring the things together that I think will make the story the best. So that's that's really it. Just empowering everyone to be able to, to speak about what they're making because it takes a team to make an animated film, right? And like, I mean, and like uh, the voice acting cast uh, uh, of the Loud House himself. There, I mean, the, you got basically the full voice acting cast uh, of the Loud House back for the movie, which is awesome. Um, but uh, but you also as well got the special guest, uh, a very special guest of the cast, uh, the wonderful uh, David Tennant. Uh, is going to be uh, 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 in this movie as well. Like, I mean, I've I've been a Tenet fan since Doctor Who, so I got to know, like, how is like like how is he? How was uh, like how was it directing David Tennant in this movie? Well, you wouldn't be disappointed. He was a, an absolute delight to work with. Um, he plays quite a charming Scottish man, so he didn't have to dig too deep for inspiration. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. But he, you know, under the circumstances. He, you'd normally see him in a recording booth in a recording studio, but he was in his flat or his shed in London and different places where he'd have to rig up, you know, um, a recording booth out of duvets and, and <laughs> things like that. So it's an unusual setting. But what I, you know, one of the things I have to say David was so great at was felt like he was a member of the team. So the artists all had to record locally on microphones that we sent. And then they would send those files back to our engineers in Burbank. We'd be recording them as well, but there's more likely to be glitches that way. So we'd always get them to record locally. And at the end of a record, he would just be like, okay, well, I've got it. I've saved it. I'm, uh, it's uploading now. It'll take about half an hour. Uh, you know, if anything doesn't work, just get back in touch with me. <laughs> and he was, he was just playing along and being part of the team. And he was super eager as well. Like he has a song in the movie and uh, we didn't quite have it written for him on one of the records. And he was really excited. So, can I record the song today? Am I doing the song? No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know he was he was a real pleasure to work with. Wow, that's awesome! Like, wait, like, so uh, they uploaded their their parts to you and then sending it back to you, like sending it back to like Burbank, like is it like digital? I'm assuming digitally, not yeah. <laughs> not physically. But... Yeah, but it's still because it's a big file, it might take like half an hour to upload or, or something. Wow. Like that. So he said, you know. I'll, I'll check back in half an hour, make sure it's all worked. And if not, you know, send me an email and I'll try it again. 
<laughs> oh, that is that's impressive. Yeah, that's great, great. And uh, direct, and I mean, and uh, directing like the Loud House uh, movie itself, like uh, actually, let me rephrase: directing a movie like from an ongoing series like the Loud House uh, must have had some certain challenges. Like, I mean, like. I guess the biggest thing is like when you're when you're when you have an ongoing series like that's been that's been out for years and then you make a movie out of it that's still on uh, that's still active that's still an actively ongoing series. Was there any kind of challenges to kind of keep the movie in sync with like you know continuity to it or like yeah? Uh, well, we we worked with Mike Rubiner, who's the showrunner of Loud House, and Kevin Sullivan uh, was the movie's writer and he's the head writer on the show, so. Kevin's been on it since, those guys have both been on it since the very start. So they know all of the little subplots and stories that, that are happening and they try and keep track of all of those. So we were always mindful that because it's on Netflix, we don't have complete control of when it would be released. But we talked about, you know, how it could affect season five. And season five has some changes, like Laurie's gone to college and baby Lily is more of a toddler. She has a little design change. Uh, so the movie was set between seasons four and five. We were always talking about it like that. So Laurie hasn't moved out yet. And Lily's still her original baby design uh, and stuff like that. But, you know, the, the series uh, were great collaborators on, in the whole process. They, you know, if we went too far off the path, they just kind of like nudge us back in the right direction. Um, but that said, you know, it's a movie. It is different to the series. And we wanted to make sure it felt more cinematic, more elevated. And, and it's very deliberate that we that I was mindful that we have two audiences now. We have the existing Loud, Loud House fans uh, and hopefully a whole new um, set of fans coming from Netflix. And so the first sequence of the movie just tries to bring everyone up to speed with who the Louds are. And we, we see mom and dad meet and fall in love and uh, dad proposes and they get married by the loud house and have 11 kids in two minutes <laughs> <laughs> by the end of wow. that sequence, like, okay this is who we're talking about and then we go in and we focus on on lincoln so the, that first act should feel a little more familiar to the loud house you know the normal territory of the loud house they're in the regular town they're in uh raw woods but as we go into act two they they take this trip of a lifetime go to scotland and that meant that we had a chance to just change a few things like the, the setups of the cameras, the way we're using multiplane, just to make it a more dimensional, a more dimensional and a more um, realistic, slightly more realistic world, a slightly less comic booky feel, less left to right staging, a bit more depth into the shots. And that was all deliberate to make it feel like they really like opened up from being squashed in a little house to having the whole of Scotland to roam around and a big castle to explore and all of that stuff. That is true. I didn't really think of it that way. That that since it, since they are traveling to Scotland, it's a, a way bigger environment than what you usually see in the in the cartoon itself. It seems so because since the focus was the family itself. Yeah. So I mean, like, uh, so like, uh, is there anything that you kind of like add to like a kind of sneak or you know that you could say? <laughs> Uh, to what we could expect uh, uh, of how, how vast this world's going to be rather from uh, from what the what we what we would normally like expect from the loud the loud house. Uh, well, we've definitely got a lot more fantasy elements. We've we've got a villain for the first time. Normally, the kids <laughs> are the uh, architects of their own downfall in in the loud house, and the movie uh, demanded just a little bit more than that. And so we we have Michelle Gomez playing Morak and. I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say anymore. She looks pretty arch in those trailers. 
she she loves peace and quiet and we've got the louds showing up so there's going to be conflict there uh, <laughs> by the third act you know it's pretty epic it's it's uh it's a some big action sequences in in the third act uh way beyond anything we've ever seen in the show before uh but i i like that we started in that those familiar sort of territories for the loud house mm -hmm. and we move through the gears and we get them to these big sort of finale set pieces kind of organically i hope oh okay that sounds good uh and uh like uh one of my all-time favorite anime series uh is like uh, is the amazing world of gumball oh, and yeah. uh yeah i love like man i don't know like i don't know what it is like every time i i introduce uh like a, a series like what they say what's one of my top five this is one of them and yeah. uh I and i didn't know that you were the art director at the beginning of the series like uh, when it first came out back when it came out and i'm like oh my god that's cool so the, that's even better so like and there was a like that series itself had a ton of mixed animation styles like that is that makes it that makes it, it very special uh itself and i like i'd like to know like the process of making such like an incredibly diverse world in that animation because when usually it's, you hear the title world of something you don't think yeah. of it to be like oh here's 2d animation people here's some clay figure here's some yeah. paper mache <laughs> pinata that actually is made of real paper mache you had a real hand i mean wow uh, like, oh, <laughs> i need I mean, to know it was so fun to work on that i wasn't the art director i was a phys dev artist i think or development oh, artist Network, but they paired me up with ben bocale it was his project and uh ben is gumball <laughs> all <laughs> the purposes ben is gumball his sister his, in real life her, her name is anais like uh like gumball's sister is so it's really him and his family are the core of that. And we used wow. to just get into loads of scrapes and trouble. Like, oh, Ben, Ben wants to get in a shopping cart and me fling him across the road. Okay, well, we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> hanging out with Ben and, and getting to uh, sort of see inside his brain a little bit. When, when he produced the first piece of artwork for that and you saw like a, a photographic background of a school corridor and all these different styles of animated characters all at the same school together. It was like, oh, my, I've never seen anything like this. We've got to make this. <laughs> and uh, so my, my role in that was supporting Ben in, in getting that green lit. And uh, that meant working a little bit on uh, a 45 second piece of animation that we made with Studio Soy in Stuttgart. And uh, Jakob Shu, I think, was the director over there that, that Ben had worked for before. And they're like wizards. So we would <laughs> photograph stuff and they would be able to like show us how much they can move from a flat photograph. And then they'd start oh. building certain things in CG. And in fact, the very first pilot, 45 seconds, um, Darwin is a CG goldfish. He's not even a 2D drawing yet. <laughs> wow. Um, you know. So it was it was early days, but we were we were playing, and we were like it was what the playtime. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I, I was talking the other day about uh, I designed Banana Joe, you know the banana character. Yeah, yeah. I think it was um, I had a banana, I had some googly eyes, <laughs> and a camera and some blue tech, and I just stuck those on, made a mouth out of blue tech, leaned it against the wall, took a picture, put it into Photoshop, drew on some stick arms and legs, and it's like done. Send that to Ben. Ben's like, oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> man, like he must have been like then Ben. This Ben, like I would never, never talk to Ben before, but like the man, that guy must have been like 
see it, see a world that no one else sees before because like I don't even understand like how like how y'all could have made like 13 episodes in just that short period of time and with that kind of style because it's like oh no it's not flat 2d it's just like real life <laughs> real life all this craziness that went into yeah. the mix so well, yeah. once I got to series I was a little less involved but I did storyboard one of I think one episode or co yeah one or two episodes and mm-hmm. it was again it's just really fun get, getting getting it all started but they being in London you know the animation industry is a lot smaller so they had to form a studio they had to form a company they had to hire people that it was all very handmade like just to even get it off the ground required oh. building a studio <laughs> just for that cartoon just for yeah, one cartoon that, there was a whole a whole production studio put together um and yeah it's I loved watching how it evolved as well. And some of the, you know, one of my favorite episodes is when they they don't take the money for some kind of hamburger advert and the world yeah. here and get like more hand drawn. And even the music just becomes a, a somebody going. Dee, 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 dee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, That's... Anything goes in that, in that world. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun world to get to play in. Very much so. And uh, and I mean, like, uh, uh, like what inspired you yourself to kind of get into the world of like in the anime, just animation industry itself? Like, oh, well, uh, I always drew comics. You know, I, I thought I wanted to draw Spider-Man when I was a kid, stuff like that. <laughs> and I, I used to make my own comics and print them on my dad's photocopier at his office and try and sell them. <laughs> and I, I did it with a friend of mine, Chris Garbutt, who uh, made uh, Pinky Malinky. He's over at Netflix right now working on a, a, a new project. And uh, when we were kids, we would just make these comics. And we went to university together. We carried on making comics. And we actually sent them to, the, to people we liked, including Bill Ray, who's a background artist on Ren and Stimpy, as well as a, a cartoonist for Mad Magazine. And he was like, you know, you guys could draw comics the rest of your life if you want to stay in your bedroom forever. But... If you want to work in animation, you get to hang out with a bunch of other people and make them laugh and every day is fun. And we're like, ooh, that sounds better. Let's <laughs> that. So, you know, we both Chris and I always wanted to move to the States. I think we made our first exploratory trip over here at 1998 or something. But we ended up moving to London and, and working all those shows, you know, Mr. Bean and uh, Robot Boy in Paris and being at the development studio. But I moved to the States 10 years ago, and ever since then, I've been working in features and in storyboarding and, and sort of been on this path. It's led me to where I am now. You know, it's, it, it's, it's all adds up eventually, I guess, but it's not <laughs> fine. It's been a wibbly-wobbly journey. Oh, I can only imagine. And uh, was, uh, were there any, like, shows gr- growing up that captivated you uh, and confirmed that this is, like, something that you were, like, wanting to do? I mean, like you said, originally comic books and stuff, but, like, so like was animation like not even in your idea your idea wheel until the suggestion uh, came when you were in university? I, it was something I always loved. I mean, we had some cool British shows like Charlton and the Wheelies and Jamie and the Magic Torch, which you guys never seen, but that's pretty no idea. Crazy 70s stuff with witches and mushrooms and people yelling for stinyog at each other. But so there was some crazy <laughs> stuff and I always loved it. Um and I love things like, you know, Battle of the Planets as well and and you know all different styles i just wanted to to draw but i you know i was up in the north of england there wasn't a lot going on for for animation up there so even getting to london felt like a a big change and a a big journey and in fact london was mostly commercials and stuff but i always wanted to tell stories and i was lucky there would always be one show in town that was like a series pretty much and 
My first one was uh, Stressed Eric, which was designed by Klasky Supo over here. They did season one and we did season two at the uh, studio in Soho. And that was kind of my first chance and my first proper job in animation, I was an art director. Turns out though, me and Chris were both art directors and we had one assistant so that we weren't doing that much directing. It was more like, we just have to draw everything. <laughs> <laughs> the title was, 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 was richer than what you had to do. It's yeah. almost like, draw oh. everything. I directed myself. That's what happened. <laughs> oh man! And uh, like, uh, are there uh, was, are there any kind of an, like styles of animation that were that uh, that was you know that was used in the past, you know, like claymation and stuff that uh, that you would like to kind of see during kind of currently again? Because I mean, mo- the big thing oh, now yeah. is mostly CG, you know. But like, it w- it's nice to kind of get a blast from the past, you know. That's probably why I like Gumball so much. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it really is. I mean, I love old. Felix the cat. I mean, he's over 100 years old now, and some of those cartoons are absolutely crazy by anyone's standards. Um, you know, I, I love that rubber hose style. There's a there's an artist, designer, animator, director called Macbeth. He's a French artist living in London. He does modern rubber hose stuff for his own music videos. I love oh, I wow. love his style. And there's a guy uh, called Felix Colgrave who it's kind of like. Uh, he does music videos as well. There's lots of, almost feels like cutout stuff, um, a bit like, like Terry Gilliam, but brought mm. back up to date. And I love all those different styles. And, and it's funny, now I have kids as well. And Felix Colgrave doesn't feel like the sort of style most kids like, but my kids are both huge Felix Colgrave fans. And <laughs> when they ask for music videos of his and they're doing dances based on the animations. So yeah, it's, uh, oh, wow. there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. And, uh, we were thinking like like rubber band. Are we talking about like like the twenties kind of animation, like kind of like uh like or or I guess most recently I guess Cuphead would be the yeah, kind of bit, the, bit, yeah, the best yeah. way. Yeah. You know, when when the whole city is bouncing and dancing, and you know, <laughs> there was one episode of Felix I watched where you know there's a club, and and you never see a character now who's at a nightclub drinking till three in the morning, but that's how the that episode <laughs> opened with Felix. Dancing on tables with beers, and he's dancing with a goat and all sorts of stuff. You know we will never see that in a cartoon yeah. show. Yeah, he's just drunk and he steals a car, steals, and then a cop chases him and he pulls a gun on the cop. Like Felix is a madman. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was scripting now for approval. Like, hey, yeah, I've written this episode. This is what happens. <laughs> yeah, maybe on Netflix, but we'll, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But still, that's that's cool. All right, and uh, my final question is. Uh, like, and I'm not implying if any, if one position is harder than another, but like uh, throughout your career, I mean, was there a position you worked on that you felt, wow, this is just flat more difficult than the others I've ever experienced, you know? I think, like, um, you know, it was a big learning experience for me on Smallfoot as head of story. Cause you've got your department, your, your story team, and you feel like protective over them a little bit and you want to help them out. And on the other side, you've got the, the director. And some, sometimes if the story team sees something differently to the director, you're the one in the middle. And, and so that, that became the first time really for me that it, it, you had a little bit of politics come into it and, and work out how to make the best choices for the movie. And, and uh, sometimes, you know, you've got to make a choice. It's like, whose camp am I in? Am I, do I, am I going with what the director's saying or do I have to kind of convince them that I think the story team is right. Um, and that that was a big sort of learning step up uh, in that role. And you learn a lot when you get a chance to kind of manage. Are you talking about, 
like so are you talking about like as a story director as in like you know the, like not necessarily writing the scripts but more like the pacing of of how the flow of the story goes wholly or no, it's, I mean, you're involved in basically writing the story it's a it's a group effort and and sometimes you know it'll it's those age-old questions when you're making a movie it's like what does the main character want and in in smallfoot it took a long time for us to figure that out you know we took a few wrong turns and so it's in that process that you you um you have to make some choices sometimes about who you're which way you think it should go and you know it's picking a side almost sometimes <laughs> and you're and you're the middleman of all of this between the upper yeah. management and then your staff <laughs> oh my god yeah, <laughs> yeah that's just but um yeah i mean i love working with story artists when they've got an idea and, and you let them run with it that's normally that's normally the best way for it to go and between myself and the story team, I think we pitched out beat by beat how we thought the ending of the movie needed to play out. Um, and it was kind of like, it, it was maybe rejected at first, but a few weeks later they came back to us and they were like, what, can you go through that, the, the beats of that ending again? And we, so we got it you know, back out of the box and yeah, here it is. And like, okay, let, let's give it a go. We're going to try your ideas. So, you know, sometimes it works out. <laughs> that is awesome. That, yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Hey, David, thank you so much for uh, stopping by uh, and talking about uh, talking about your career and, and everything. It's really, really appreciate it. It was, a, it was a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, guys. And also definitely check out his fir- uh, his very first directorial debut uh, of The Loud House uh, coming August 20th on Netflix. You better watch it. You're going to miss out. You're going to have some missing out some of that David Tennant fun, too. So you got to check that stuff out, too. But uh, if you did like this interview, by all means, check us out on our YouTube channel, the CFG channel, or go to our, any podcast services that we uh, uh, out there on the uh, Pop Culture Gems. So once again, this is Davis signing off. Y'all take it easy.